Yeah, Will almost died, everyone. <laughs> Sorry, is that a bit melodramatic? Welcome to Fraculous, a technology podcast for humans. Episode 331. Application data theft, iOS 12, and digital detox redux. So you've still got your watch, right, David? I do have a new watch, Jeff, yes. Okay, but is it an Apple one? It is. It's the Apple Watch Series 4. So you, I'm, I'm just, I just want to check. I just, uh, I should point out that I've got my cynicism hat on today. So you charge your phone and your iPad and your watch and, and your Air, Air, Eye, Apple Pods or whatever they're called, your Cyber Pods. Is that right? So you're charging four flipping devices, right? Am I right? Am I right? Not all at the same time, but yes, the same with my laptop and soon my car will all need charging. Which is why today I, I sort of invented this product in my mind that Apple should invent and it's called the iCharge, right? And it's nothing except a cube, which white cube, obviously, that just tells you that it's discharging and every night it just makes you charge it so that next day it can, it can just discharge again. Is it just like performance art? Yeah, it's a performance art thing, and it's just a gadget <laughs> where your your sole job, well, like a Tamagotchi, but your sole job is just to keep it charged. That's it. Apple could sell a product to do just that, and people would buy it. And then it could send you notifications when it's down to 10% charge. I mean, I don't find charging multiple devices that much of a hassle. My phone goes on charge overnight. Both of them go on wireless pads. AirPods I charge probably every three or four days. My watch, I now charge overnight, but I used to just charge in the morning when I was showering. And again, these were just things that I just fitted into my routine. Yeah. If I had time and money, I would write a comedy sketch that just extracted the Michael out of, you know, Apple's ecosystem of like, hey, yet another device to charge. But the thing about the AirPods is that they do have a charging case. So as long as they're in there they'll be at 100% each. So you only just need to remember to top at the case every now and again. You'll get three or four charges from the case. But, but Jeff, why is this an Apple-specific thing? I mean, there, there's lots of other manufacturers who also make watches and also make you know in-ear things and phones and tablets who also you're reliant upon charging things. This isn't an, an Apple trope. This is a 21st century trope. But I said it. When, I think I thought we we're going to charge. Talk about watches some other time. I said it when the Apple Watch first came out. Yet another device yet to charge. You could. Like, it's understandable to charge one thing, and then they just about stretch my limit with say charging a phone and a pad, and then a third thing to charge. No. Laptop. Do you have a laptop? I'm just making it ridiculous by suggesting that you should just have a random device to charge for no other reason than other than just to charge it. It's just that's the joke. Wasn't there an app once? Uh, Will remind me. I'm, I'm sure you must remember this. And I probably downloaded it. No, but it was it was probably the world's most expensive app. Oh the yeah, time. the Ruby one, the I Am Rich app, thousand dollars. Yeah, in the App Store, served no purpose other than to say I spent a thousand dollars on this app. <laughs> <laughs> I think they sold nine copies of it as well before Apple pulled it. Those were the days. Anyway, AirPods. Back to AirPods. But I did, I saw several people walking along with them today, and I'm just reminded of the episode of Doctor Who where the humans are turned into Cybermen because they walk around with AirPod-like devices in their head, and the whole world is. But it's so different to walking around with headphones on. It just there's something freaky about. 
I, I, I turned the corner today on the way to the station and there was a guy just talking to himself, mumbling away. And I was like, oh, mad person, avoid him. And then I realised he wasn't talking to himself. He was having a conversation with someone, obviously via some Bluetooth speaker, and he could hear the recipient on on AirPods. But We've had wireless head, headsets for like 10 years. And it looks weird. But because if he'd have had standard headphones or headphones or, AirPod, or AirPods with a cable coming down then you look less crazy. You don't look like you're talking to yourself. But when there's this, this tiny little things in your ears, you look stupid and you look like you're talking. I mean, I do think two, two at once looks a bit odd. I, only, I tend to only wear one at a time, which also then allows you to charge one while the other one is in your ear. I just, yeah, I, I, in the same way that I would never get an Apple Watch, I'm never doing AirPods. So anyway, I have had AirPods for a long time. <laughs> Tell us about that, Will. I swear that they do not work the way that everyone else's AirPods work, which is you put them in your ear, they automatically connect to your phone, you tap them, and it resumes playing, the last thing it was doing. I've had to wait 30, 40, up to 60 seconds sometimes for them to reconnect. I've had to go into the Bluetooth settings. I've had to click on them. I've had to have the spinner go around. I took them to Apple. Annoyingly, they worked perfectly while I was in the Apple store. Could not show the fault. They said maybe it's something to do with too many apps on your phone. So theory, theory they had. <laughs> so I then waited until I till iOS 10 came out. Didn't solve it. That was another suggestion. I then moved them to my 10 when I got my 10. Mm. Problem moved over to my 10, which again doesn't have the apps problem. Waited till iOS 11. I've been through this multiple times. The only constant is the AirPods. And my experience from everyone else is that they should just automatically connect. There shouldn't be yeah. any, they should bong as soon as you put them in your ears and mine don't. Yeah, I mean, that that's my experience. Well, if they weren't so, if it wasn't so unhygienic to do so, I'd suggest that we swap yeah. for a few days just to see if they're, if the problem follows you. And because they were, in, they were so hard to get hold of initially, I got mine from John Lewis, which comes with a two-year warranty. So there was that advantage. So I took them back to John Lewis eventually. They sent them off. They were, they were gone, I think, two or three weeks. They came back with an engineer's report saying they work fine. And that was frustrating because mm. it meant they had to go back to wired headphones for that period and basically realise why I like AirPods more than wired headphones so much. And then eventually I managed to screen record the incidences where Mm. I could show it was spinning and not connecting instantly. And I got three examples. I thought I could just email these to John Lewis to say, here, there's clearly a problem. They still had to go back to the test centre. They still sent a courier to pick them up. They promised to email these videos to the test centre. Two weeks later, they came back. Cannot re They're working fine. They passed all the tests. So I've now phoned uh, John Lewis and they've said on the phone they can't do anything. They think that they should because they think that John Lewis' service should be better than this and there's clearly a problem. So they say take them into a store and appeal to a store manager. But that's where I am with my AirPods. It's just slightly frustrating. Have you ever considered not using them and that would take away the frustration? Well, I, do, I had two weeks of wired headphones and actually they are more frustrating than even just waiting for my AirPods to connect. Because? Well... They're just much more, you have to put them on, you have to thread them through your jumper, you have to be wearing them. There's, le they're less, there's less just taking out the pack, put them in your ear, listen to something, take it out, put it back in the thing. There's a much more rigmarole around getting ready to listen. 
And and I think there's something more than that, and I'm pretty sure, Jeff, in advance that you're not going to go with this at all. And I'm and if I'm honest, it's it's like you've started to learn my personality, David. <laughs> who would have thought? If I'm honest, though, I'm not completely sure that I go with it. But it's it's an interesting experience, nonetheless. Is that you know I I will wear these almost for an entire day sometimes, and I will have them hooked up to my up to my MacBook. And I will do, you know, various calls, various WebEx calls and whatnot with them. I will use them um, just without even realising that they're in there. And I think this is a fundamental difference between these and your standard pair of corded headphones or whatever, is that you don't really realise that you're wearing them, but you feel in some way connected to your device more than just with it being in your pocket or on your wrist. Like a Cyberman. (laughs) Like a Cyberman. And, you know, if it's connected to your phone, you just do a quick tap and it'll play, a quick double tap. And, you know, it's, you know, dare I say, hey, Siri, when I'm surrounded by iOS. Oh, there there we go. I've I've done it now. Hang on, let me just turn these off. so So now Apple have got you used to it being in your ear all the time. That's just another step nearer the point than actually, you know, somebody will one day just have an implant. And so actually it will be... It'll be inside your head all the time. Well, that's where that's where it's headed. But the watch, the watch, to some degree, remotes your display to your wrist, and the AirPods, in some way, remote the audio to your ears. It just means you don't have to be constantly getting your phone out. I thought someone like you who doesn't want to use the phone all the time. It's it, no, it's Black Mirror. It's like it's having a grain behind your ear. You're heading for an instance where it's just going to be accepted that. But you can always take it out. That you're what you can't take. You can't take out the grain in Black Mirror. You're just going to be wired permanently to a device or the net or network. That's where it's headed. You're more wired by using wired headphones. I would say you're more tied to your device. This should come as no surprise to you. I like disconnecting from things and and walking away and going, I'm not connected. But you can do that with AirPods. You just take them out and put them in the case. Not not when we live in the world where people, Apple, are now training you where it's normal for David to have his AirPods in all day whilst using his computer, which I find very weird. And once that becomes the norm, then you then the next level becomes a device that you're just ex- that you're expected to do that. And everyone is expected to do that. And you're in Cyberman world. And then it will be like an implant. And then somebody will have a test implant. So within our lifetime, people will just be walking around permanently tuned in and you'll be having to recharge your own. You'll, you'll plug a device into your head. You'll have to charge your head overnight. Unless, except we'll have wireless charging pillows and then you, when you just sleep at night, your head just charges. <laughs> I don't know what I've eaten or drunk today, but I'm going a bit strange. But <laughs> that's where I can see the world going. Jeff, did you ever try out Google Glass? I did actually, yes. And uh-huh. um, it was fun. But, you know, the battery lasted about like 10, 10, 10, 10 minutes. So when you wore Google Glass first time round, maybe four or five years ago, it was cool. It was interesting. Everyone was trying it on. But if you were to wear those today, I'm I'm interested in in where your journey, where your connection with technology has changed over the last four or five or six years or so. So if Google Glass were to be a thing today, I'm curious whether you'd have the same response now to that as you do towards the AirPods. Okay, right. I get your question. No, you're right. Somewhere over the last five years, I made that conscious decision to, to be able to have uh, uh, an uncoupling from from devices was it a conscious uncoupling there we go <laughs> and um i would my reaction nowadays would be like oh glass yeah fine and then i'd want to take it off after 10 minutes I'd, I'd only want to wear them for the duration of the purpose of whatever it was i wanted to record from you know from my from my point of view and after that no but something like that will happen and it'll be the norm to wear glasses which record the whole, the whole damn time. And you'll be the one screaming, but no one will be able to hear you because we'll all have our AirPods in. It will happen. 
the mesh between how have we got onto cyber technology the mesh between technology and humans is will ha- will happen in our lifetime it will happen i've looked at this whole transhumanism thing and uh, Tra- hang, but- did you just say did you say transhumanism what an amazing word oh it is it's it's great i was um uh, hosting an event a last week, week before last, actually, where it was a, a terrific, terrific talk by a, a chap who's just written a book on this. And uh, he travelled all over the world speaking with various transhumanists. And, um, you know, and we've talked about it on this show as well, where, you know, people embed the little uh, homing pigeon hack so that you get a little tap when you're facing magnetic north. It gives you that extra sense. But I think the reason that people still feel, feel very squeamish around embedding tech within our bodies is because you can't can't take it out. Whereas all of these devices that we're talking about, they go on your phone, on your wrist, in your ears. If you want to disconnect, then you can. But the thing that stops you disconnecting is inside. It's inside your brain. And that's probably the, the, the most difficult of those to shift at the moment. What about the dude that has already got a chip embedded in his hand, which enables him to open doors? Professor Warwick. Surely he can have that chip removed if he wanted to. Yeah, it's blooming painful, though. I just take my earpod out of my ear and I'm disconnected. It's fine. But but surely taking it out is no more painful than having it implanted. No, I think it's much more because you, you can inject it with a, with a hypodermic needle, whereas to take it out, you actually have to cut a path to where it is. Okay, but so it's like surgery. Yeah. Or maybe there's a way of removing it which is less invasive, but I'd imagine taking it out is harder than putting it in. I wouldn't wow. really want to do either, to be honest with you. This wasn't where we planned this segment of the podcast to go, was it? I, I don't know how it's gone here. It wasn't. <laughs> I'm really sorry, listeners. It's all my fault. Do you want to go back to back to me lying to you, Jeff? Would that help? Sure. So do you remember last week I said I had six phones and none of them had buttons? Android phones. It's not quite true. One of them I skipped past. The one that was on my desk, not in the pile, does actually have a physical button. Okay. And you'll be happy to learn it's got Touch ID on it, or a thumb equivalent of that. Okay, what is it? It's the Meizu Pro 7 Plus. Mm. I'm buying it. I'm buying it. Sounds great. And here's the good thing about it. In addition to its normal, I think it's got a huge screen. It's like a six-inch screen or something like that. But on the back, it's got another screen, a little OLED, that you can use for notifications or your clock or your weather but you can also use it for the camera. So you can get a little preview because it's got two lenses. It's a dual lens one. So you can use the little screen underneath the camera to frame your selfies and get shallow depth of field selfies. Nice. But it runs, um, it doesn't run pure Android. It runs, it's either Flim or FlyMe, which is Meizu's version of Android. So it's based on Android 7, I think. Hmm. That that gives me a bit of a cause for concern. Well, it's actually it's a really clean. It's probably the cleanest of all the Android forks that I've seen. Hmm. Let's have a look at about uh, 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 about phone Android version seven, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's got some nice gestures as well. It's got you can either have the three buttons at the bottom. Or you can have the soft buttons, or you can turn those off and go for gestures instead. So you can swipe across the home button to go back. You can swipe up from one side to bring up the multitasking. It's a nice phone. It's a really nice phone. Can I introduce another phone at this point? Sure. That I think might be a halfway house for Jeff. Um, I mentioned last time I was writing a feature on smartphone photography, which went yes. out uh, a couple of weeks ago. And one of the one of the handsets that I I got in, I think, after we recorded was the Google Pixel 3 yes. XL. 
that I have that I have here with its uber notch with its it's, it's got a big notch this is the XL version there's also a, a standard size one um standard size have the notch yes, it doesn't it does. the standard oh, doesn't does Oh, standard doesn't, doesn't have a notch. Ah, okay. Yeah, okay. I also want a notchless phone. Oh, Jeff. Okay. Okay. Well, I think what I think <laughs> you my can put some tape over the corners, and then it would be a notchless <laughs> phone. I think my insight here will will still appeal to you, Jeff. In as much as, first of all, it's it's a really powerful phone. Um, it's it's a it's really really fast as well. I quite like the the plus size of it. Um, it doesn't have a button on the front, Jeff, but it does have the. Again, for want of a better term, the touch ID sensor on the back. Okay. And that Ooh. that can act very much like it's got gestures on there. So on the back of the Google Pixel, there is a a touch ID sensor. I know it's not called touch ID. I can't remember what it is called, but we all know what we mean. And it just fits right in the middle, just where my index finger is. And just by stroking it down, I can open the notifications and stroking it down again, I get all of the settings. And just by pushing it back up again, then it's back to home again. Um, it is... I guess it's a compromise. You know, you'd still get the full screen real estate on the front of the phone, um, but you still get access to a button of sorts on the back. I think this is a cracking phone. I've uh, really enjoyed taking pictures with it. But, you know, you talk about a pure Android experience, Will. You know, what Google does with its Pixel phones now, um, it's it's really pure, really fast. And I'm I'm a big fan. This is my favourite favorite android phone that i've had in my hand so far and i've had you know pretty much all of the flagship ones over the last three or four weeks including the note 9 huawei p20 pro that's got that that's that's my favorite camera so far but in terms of an overall package the pixel 3 xl is um i'll be sad when i have to get it back this episode of Fraculous is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy-to-use online invoicing software designed to get you paid cash money faster. Face it, humans, you are not good with numbers. If you're not a numbers human, sign up for FreshBooks and let them handle the hard stuff for you. FreshBooks users save two days per month on average, which you could spend doing futile tasks like talking to other humans and eating food in front of each other. In order to pay for these pointless activities you are going to need money. FreshBooks lets you create invoices that look more professional than your substandard motor skills allow. You can even keep track of expenses, so you don't end up with negative money. Which is bad if your entire world is built on having it to survive. To try FreshBooks for free for 30 days go to fraculous.com slash freshbooks and enter fraculous into the how did you hear about us section, so that they know that we sent you and to show your support for the show. So this slightly links into something that Jeff asked me recently, which was why do I hate Google so much? Okay. <laughs> and I did a bit of a rant on Twitter about Google. You, you deleted the YouTube app. Google being creepy, but just FT just published a report about how on Android, the cross-tracking that Alphabet can do, it said here that data from more than 88% of apps in the study could end up with Alphabet. So oh, they think they surveyed 1,000 apps. Research at Oxford University analyzed approximately a third of the apps available in Google's Play Store in 2017 and found that the median app could transfer data to 10 third parties with one in five apps able to share data with more than 20. So that's the Google Play Store. But what about the 
about the iOS App Store then, because I thought that Apple... We unfortunately don't have data on Apple, but it also says a peer-reviewed study of almost 1 million Android apps revealed how data from the smartphones are harvested and shared with nearly 90% of the apps set up to transfer information back to Google. Mm. And so my, my whole rant was that I'd installed or even maybe just logged into an app, a Google app on a phone, which I hadn't previously. And I got an email from Google saying, you haven't installed this and you haven't installed that. And one, I didn't give Google permission to know what was on my phone. So it has scanned the apps on my phone, not just the ones that it had produced, but the other ones, presumably from other manufacturers. And it then decided to alert me that I was missing out on other apps that it was helpfully suggesting I should use. So if it's, and that's just data it's admitted it's stealing from my phone without my permission. Who knows what else it's trying to grab from my phone where possible. So as a result, I've taken every single Google app off my phones. It was just, it pushed me too far. And what's happened? Oh, so so what what apps are those out of interest? Uh, So do you want want my app count? (laughs) Here we go. Has your app count gone down? It has. No way. Remember, I was at 511 last time. I mean, I lose track, but we'll take your word for it. I'm at 493 now. So which mm. Google apps did you delete? Hang on, should we see if we can guess? So you deleted Gmail? Gmail, yeah. F- Google Photos? I uh, didn't have Google Photos. I thought that was too creepy anyway. YouTube? YouTube. YouTube, YouTube. took off. Wow. Did you have anything like Google Keep or anything like that? Didn't have the... that. How about Google Plus, Will? Did you have Google Plus on Took there? Google Plus off. Yeah, that came yeah. straight off. I think a lot of people will be doing that. Uh, things like Snapseed, I took that off because that's Google-owned. Oh, it's a shame, isn't it? What about Google Earth? Don't think I had that on. May have done. Took it off if I did. Basically, every single Google app. So now I only use a private browser session for any Google site and I still think they're slurping data from my phone or as much as possible but at least it limits what they can get access to. How evil would do you think they are compared to say Facebook? Um, I don't think it's necessarily even being evil I think it's this whole taking data without consent that's more of my issue I don't mind them taking my viewing data for YouTube totally agree with that that's the deal so they can serve me ads on YouTube videos, that's fine, and because well, I, that's a that's some that's content that you're engaging with, so you kind of expect pages that you yeah. visit, videos that you watch, they they would be tracked. But it's the other stuff that you're concerned about. Do you know there was a there was an interesting piece in the New York Times? I think it was earlier this week on uh, uh, who will teach Silicon Valley to be ethical by Kara Swisher, mm. and um, you know conversation around whether a chief a chief ethics officer so a ceo a chief ethics officer would be a good thing to try and help all of these technology companies to navigate some of these social data sharing some of the political decisions you know how would that stand with the likes of twitter and facebook at the moment i think it's more the fact they don't think about the things at the outset so they just harvest what they can with no kind of forethought about how actually invasive this could be if Mm. it was leaked or hacked or used in ways that weren't originally thought of. It's not set out with a policy in place to say, here's the data we need, and that's the only data we'll collect. That's very generous of you. A cynic might say, Jeff might say, that they know exactly what data they're harvesting and exactly 
what they are doing and why they're doing it and they are relying upon the the, the likes of us not to read the terms and conditions um, and to understand where our data and how our data may be harvested and sold on and used. So I'm basically every Google product I'm now using in a silo. How has this affected your sort of daily productivity? Have you, what, what issues have you encountered? It hasn't really affected it at all. How, how do you watch YouTube videos? <laughs> I watch them in the Safari browser. And it's fine. I just log in using the new iOS 12 password feature, log in each time, subs are there, click on them. I found a extension so I can speed them up and make them play at 1.25, 1.5 if it's one of yours, Jeff, can, and you're going on a bit. Can, can I mention the weirdest experience, listener, that I had the other week was being driven by Will in his car. And Will said, oh, I'm just going to put some podcasts on. Is that all right? And I'm like, sure, yeah. And after about a minute, I was like, what is this like what it was like chipmunks or it's like is this the, what kind of accent is this and it took me but it took me a good minute to work out that you listen to podcasts at a faster speed about 1.4 yeah but one point was like what and even when you slowed it to 1.2 i still found it really disconcerting i mean you have to kind of lean into it gosh you do you have to ramp up. I did it over the period of about three or four months. I started at 1.1 and then stepped up to 1.2. Well, yeah, no, I think you have to train your brain, like like the guy that, that taught himself to ride the reversible bike. Your brain is, it takes weeks to do it. And when you just go, Jeff, 1.4 speed podcast, my brain is like, what the, he- what the, what the beep? That was weird. It was really weird, Will. But there is this fast reading thing where it, it flashes the words in the centre of the screen. Yeah, and you, that. and you try and read it and you can't, but you then just relax into it. Yeah. And you let the words just hit you and you don't try and read them. And then actually you start yeah. comprehending. It's the same yeah, thing. I found, I found the easiest thing. And David, might you want to know this? Um, I, ju- I just fell asleep in Will's car. I just, <laughs> I just had a nap and then I just didn't have to hear it at all. I was like, I'm just going to have a doze. It was great. Really weird experience in Will's car listening to Speed It Up podcast. The worst one's when I listen to a podcast on normal speed and they sound drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Having seen Will's, uh, having seen the list of podcasts, some of them that Will subscribes to, I understand why he has to listen to them all in double quick time. Because I think a week's worth of Will podcast listening is about two or three months worth of anyone else that I know's podcast listening. You manage to cram them in, don't you? Well, I've got I've got a new approach, which is I have a queue, and I have uh-huh. my favourites, and I bump my favourites to the top of the queue, and some stuff just falls off the bottom and never gets listened to. But can so you I, honestly say that your life is enriched or, or you've learned new things through listening to so much podcasting? It's, ent- it's entertainment. It's like watching YouTube videos or watching television. It's the same yeah. thing. And I should say Overcasts. Is that the app that you use to subscribe and listen to podcasts? Yeah, I use Overcast. Yes, me too. I, I was just having a bit of a look, just going back uh, on topic here. And I, I still have some... Not necessarily doubts, but I'm I'm curious about the extent to which Google is receiving data from iOS devices. You know, I understand Android is is a very different beast to iOS, but I'm I, I'd be curious to see equivalent research that uh, suggests the extent of this is uh, is. I mean, this is my problem: is you just don't know what they're taking. You don't know what they're capable, of. and they've obviously got people working on this, trying to see what they can just eke out from every app and also cross app stuff they obviously leak between apps that was one of my major issues was having if i had one app on i'd then go to say if i had gmail on there if i then went to youtube it would say oh you can just click here to log in because it just leaked the 
login details over. And it's like, well, did you take anything else over there? What? Hmm. You just don't know. You don't know what it's got access to. Like Facebook is not allowed access to my face, my photos anymore because I'd open up the app and it would say, I've made you a slideshow. And it's like, I didn't give you permission to go in my photos. Hmm. You're not allowed in there. How do I know you haven't just taken all of my photos and uploaded them to to your servers? Yeah. So now Facebook is is not allowed. Quit. It's the only app on my phone that's not allowed access to my photos. Quit. I turn off location for Facebook as well. I, I don't yeah. want it to know where I am. Facebook. Quit, 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 quit it, quit it, quit it, quit it. I don't it. need to quit it. I use it like once a month. Quit it. But then how will people see pictures of my children? I'd have to actually email people, Jeff. Uh, Instagram? <laughs> I don't put my children on Instagram. <laughs> Very wise. And also Facebook's quite good. It's quite good at locking stuff down just to a friends group. And I go in every two weeks and put something in that. So I'm quite, I'm quite happy with that. Speaking of locking things down to a friends group, I mean, that was something that Google Plus was very good at, for better or for worse. You know, what Google tried to do with Google Plus, and uh, I know one particular Google Plus advocate who may be listening um, will applaud for, for me saying this, but it was very good at sharing stuff among particular groups of people, the circles thing. But it's, I, I think it was just too complicated for its own good. Um, it, it just wasn't consumer-facing enough in the way that Facebook was. And that's that's among the reasons why Google's gone and killed it over the lot. I think since we lost, I think it killed it because of that data leak, didn't it? And then it was like, oh. uh, no, Google Plus had been dying, had been left out to pasture. For I know, but years. it's part part of the. It was part of like the YouTube login. It was so kind of creakily integrated with a lot of stuff. Google architecture. Mm -hmm. They just let it stay there until it became a liability, a reason to boot it into touch. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that happened a few weeks ago. Did it die officially? And I missed that. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, right. Let me go Google that now. When did that happen? <laughs> you should check Facebook. There's probably an announcement. <laughs> Speaking of apps, Will, um, mm. have you downloaded the new Adobe Premiere Rush app? I have. Mm. I have. What have you made? Well, okay, so for anyone who hasn't heard of what this is, um, for video and you know creators like ourselves, um, what is it and why is it cool? So we all use Premiere. That's kind of our go-to video editing app mm -hmm. of choice. And I've used Premiere since, oh, like 1999, something like that, back in the yeah. old days of Windows. What was your first version of Premiere, Will? 5.5, I think. Yeah, I was version 6. Yeah. Before Pro. It wasn't even professional back then. It was amateur. We could compete in the Olympics and everything. <laughs> So I've used Premiere for a long time. Uh, Premiere came back to the Mac just as I got a Mac with CS3, I think it was. So I was very happy to have Premiere back on my Mac. That's when I started getting really into video editing. And I've basically been on Premiere since then. Uh, I had to use Final Cut once, Final Cut 7, and the keyboard shortcuts just slowed me down so much. So I've been using Premiere for so long, I know it inside and out. And now they've just launched a new version of Premiere, which I can see why they're doing this rather than porting existing Premiere, because existing Premiere is a bit shaky anyway, because of the legacy stuff it has to support from older versions. So I can see why they're doing this for iOS is launching a new version, which runs on Mac, runs on Windows, runs on iOS, presumably runs on Android. Yes, that Android support's coming uh, later in 2019, apparently. And it's really nice. I, I've just started using Luma Touch Fusion or Luma mm. Fusion, which whatever it's called. And that, that was, I think, that was a 20 quid app. 
one-off payment. I didn't want to subscribe because I don't like subscribing to apps unless I really get use out of them. So Adobe apps, I don't mind because I make my living editing video, but I didn't want to subscribe to a different editing app, which I wasn't sure I was going to use on iOS. So Luma Touch was like 20 quid. I started using that. Actually, Jeff, we went to a station, didn't we? Remember? Yes. And I did some filming on my iPhone and edited it into an Instagram story because that's what the kids are doing these days. Oh, was that using? So I used Luma Fusion for that. Okay. So I'd, I'd use it on a couple of things for Instagram. I just, got, I just thought I'm going to start using it, see what I can film on my phone, edit on my phone, that kind of thing. I think I did Instagram stories slightly wrong because I edited it for a start. And I did it in the evening instead of doing it during the day. But, you know, you've got to do these things to find out how they work. Yeah. And I found actually LumaTouch Fusion, even though the interface is a little bit difficult, is very powerful. And had yeah. most of what I wanted to have on from Premiere, I would say, from an editing app, in my hands. Yeah, I, I use LumaFusion a lot. I've used it since it used to be... Um, it used to be... It was the same team that came up with uh, Avid Studio. Wait, it was Avid Studio. Then it became Pinnacle. Right. Yes, indeed. I reviewed both of those for Mac, Mac user. And I know these guys who, who developed this through my um, Mojo background. And uh, yeah, that they are great. And I think it is perhaps the most powerful video editing app for uh, a mobile platform that I've come across. Um, and it's interesting to hear your feedback on it, Will, because it is very much, it follows the traditional NLE that we're used to on a desktop, you know, multiple layers, effects, and so on. It feels very much like Premiere Pro just squeezed down into an iPad screen yeah. or onto an iPhone screen. And then I was away this week and shot some time lapses and thought, I'm going to chuck this into Premiere Rush and couldn't find out how to speed the clips up. So I stopped. <laughs> so I haven't had much time with it, basically. I'm sure it can do everything I would do, want to do, mostly if I can find the controls. But at the moment, I've kind of, I'm not invested enough in LumaFusion to not jump. Mm. And it's included in my subscription to Creative Cloud anyway. So I'm probably going to play with it some more. It's actually, it's, it looks nicer. The interface definitely looks nicer. But I haven't really had time to play and see how deep you can go with it. Jeff, how about you? Do you want to edit on a phone? I haven't tried it at all. Are you interested in trying it? Um, uh, imagine I knew nothing about it. Uh, then sell it to me. You're saying I can have it on my desktop and on my mobile platforms. Yeah, I mean, I'm not looking at it for that. I mean, that obviously is interesting. I'm looking at doing stuff on the phone to post quickly to the socials, that kind of thing. I'm going to always edit proper films on a laptop. I can't see that changing yeah. at all. But for stuff where I just want to just spruce it up, I just want to kind of just make it a bit more polished. Yeah. I don't want to just post raw and also stuff like if I'm going to post a portrait video, I'm going to shoot it 169 4K and I'm going to take a 916 crop from that. So I've still got the widescreen source if I ever want to go back and create something with that. Okay, I'm I'm looking at the link you sent me uh, straight away there, David. Thanks. So, but the one obvious thing is that it depends on what your source is for your footage. So, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So, if you've shot it on your phone or your iPad, great. Then it's easy. It's there, ingested already on your iPhone or iPad. 
but that's never going to be as good as if you're doing it with a nice big camera. So if you've got your nice big camera out in the field, how do you then dump the footage down to your iPhone or iPad? Is there, there's, no, there's no point. I think Will might have something to say about that. I mean, we were speaking only in the last episode about how Will went out on a job with uh, Philips to Aoife and shot 50% of the footage that he shot on, on an iPhone, albeit with a gimbal. I was shooting this week with my iPhone as well. Yeah, if you need to turn around stuff quickly, if it's shoot, edit and post within an hour or so and you just need to get something done you know, fast but make it look pretty good, then that's where these apps really do come into their own. And the the idea of combining Premiere Pro, After Effects and Audition, so that's, you know, video editing, some motion graphics or just some, you know, um, uh, polishing for a better term and some audio sweetening all into a single app without having to jump, you know, backwards and forwards between different apps. For people maybe who are coming into the, into video editing rather than having had the you know, 30 or 40 years combined that the three of us have, this would be a really attractive proposition. So if you're mobile first, uh, shooting on mobile and publishing on mobile quickly, which I think this is certainly an audience that this is aimed at, then it's a it's a really interesting proposition for Adobe to have come up with. So will I, have I got it included in my, uh, in my subscription? I'm, I'm scrolling down. I can't see it. I can't see it. If you've got the full one, it's in there. So, Jeff, if you go to your phone and go to the App Store on there and then download uh, Rush on there, then it'll ask you to log in. You log in with your Creative Cloud details and there you'll have access to the app. But So you can't run it on a desktop, so it's not a desktop app? Yeah, there is a desktop app as well, but it may be a beta, so it may not be, you may not have to find the download link for it. I will send you the link to it right now, Jeff. And we'll add that in the show notes too. What's really, hang on. So what's very interesting here, actually, my creative cloud manager in Windows is saying, hey, you might want to consider upgrading your OS. So it knows that I'm on Windows 7 and not on Windows 10. And it might, what's the betting? Rush only works on Windows 10. Are you not running the latest version of Windows, Jeff? No way. Windows 7 is stable and beautiful. So unlike you, Jeff, you're usually on the cutting edge of OS advancements. I cannot remember the last time my computer blue screened. It, it's been at least four years since I had a blue screen issue. Blue screen event, blue screen event. Four years of never my machine crashing ever. And that, my friends, is the stability of Windows 7. Um, and my Windows laptop, which is Windows 10, has blue screened twice in a year since I've had it. Oh, do you know what? I think Windows 7 is more stable. For now. But speaking of shooting on iPhones, <laughs> one thing I'm not shooting on at the moment is an iPhone XR. And why is that? Last time you were debating whether to go with the XR or maybe the XS yep. Max or something. So the, the reviews came out. The YouTubers got their hands on it. And I think the low light performance alone is worth getting one for because that's been the one problem we're shooting on a on a ten is that it's good in good light, but in low light it does get a bit noisy. So I got on the Friday, called up the Apple app, decided I was going to go with the upgrade program mm -hmm. because then I can then upgrade like year later to the ten R S two. Pro Max, and went to reserve, 
Now, the only day, because with the upgrade program, you have to go, if you're not already in it, you have to go into the store to sign up. So you can get an online delivery if you want to pay up front. You can also go and collect if you're paying cash, but you can't not go into a store if you want to get on the upgrade program. And the only day they were allowing people to go into the store was the Friday, which was Friday just gone. And I was on a train at 9am to Cheltenham. I was returning back into London at 10pm. And the store extended opening hours were 9am to 10pm. So there's no way I could get to the store on that day. And there wasn't even an option for, I will come and pick this up on Monday. So I phoned Apple to say, this is a bit odd. Why can I not reserve a different day? I've clearly got a spot in the queue here. And they said, well, you just need to wait until they offer other days. And then about Wednesday, they stopped offering any days. Then Saturday, they started offering days for Saturday. This morning, they're offering day appointments for today. So I'm going to call up the app tomorrow morning and see. And I may go in if I can be bothered to see if I can pick one up. But it doesn't look like there's massive demand for them. It looks like they've got enough. Like I keep choosing... I'm not going to tell you the colour because I don't want everyone else to get the same colour. (laughs) But the the 256 gig as well, I think, is going to be in less demand than the 128. I think the 128 is the one that most people are going to go for. So hopefully tomorrow or sometime this week, I'll be able to pick up a 10R. Yeah, I've I've been challenged by my wife to sort her out a new iPhone, Um, her 6s is so very slow it's not yeah it's not lasting the day on battery again this would be replacing my 6s this 10r yeah i i think it's a very wise move so uh 10r is what we're looking at for her i did i did touch one i did have a play with one okay what did you think um, well, i've not touched one yet because also i went in on the the morning the friday when pre-releases were because i was actually having a meeting in paddington that day uh-huh. so i popped into regent street on the way and the store was closed and they were getting ready for oh, queues. Right. Yeah. Um, I didn't ha- I wasn't able to do a side by side with my ten or anything else. I just I just touched it, go, Oh, that's pretty. And oh look, there's only one camera on the back. So nothing nothing more substantial than that. Um the approach that we're taking is we're trading in every single old Apple device in the house, including two Apple Watches, uh, an old iPad, probably two old iPhones, just trying to get as much money off we can as we can um, and see what we can get it down to price-wise because even though it is the cheaper phone from Apple, it's not cheap. No, it's not cheap. So, Jeff, are you going to get a 10R? So I was looking at my uh, <laughs> at my uh, Creative Crowd thing and I've now found a thing that says Premier Rush. Not compatible with Windows 7 or <laughs> um, Windows 8 or 8.1 or even earlier versions of Windows 10. You need to be in at least build 1703 of Windows 10. So you'll be upgrading so, to take advantage of that, yes. So I could run it on my laptop. You could run it on your iPad. Or my iPad, which is on iOS 12. Am I buying a, uh, an R? No, 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 no. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm prob- I just feel like sitting in a cave with rubbing some sticks together and I'd just be happy, you know, making fire. And, well, let's, uh, let's catch up on that after iOS just, 12. <laughs> is that your way of ingratiating a conversation about iOS 12? Yeah. This episode of Fraculous is brought to you by Audible.com, the premier provider of audiobooks. With over 180,000 titles to choose from, humans like to listen to things. 
If you're a human you're probably listening to this podcast right now. Audiobooks on Audible are read by real live humans, often the same ones that wrote all of the words as well. Not only are you hearing the words written by the human, but you get to experience them exactly as they intended. Humans love listening to other humans. It is one of their favorite things to do, unlike Risk, which is good, because Audible is completely risk-free. If you don't like the sounds or words you're hearing, for any reason, you can exchange it for another without asking any questions. To start your free 30-day trial of Audible, which includes a free audiobook download, go to fraculous.com audible, so that they know that we sent you and to show your support for the show. Can I go and live in a cave in a desert? I'm going to go live in a cave in a desert. I was 12. Yeah. I t- oh. Hi. David, what do you think of I was 12? <laughs> <laughs> What do I think of iOS 12? We touched on it a bit last time. We did. So I've been running the beta of iOS 12 um, pretty much since it became available shortly after WWDC. And um, I took the bold step this time of not only running it on an iPad, but also on my main daily phone. Um, With my iPad, I've got an iPad mini 2, first Retina one. And I was about to throw it out the window before I updated to iOS 12 because it was slow. Uh, lots of apps were hanging on there and it, it wasn't useful. You know, it's it's a work tool for me, my iPad mini is. Yeah. However, updating it to iOS 12 has given it a new lease of life. It's like it's, lo- you know, knocked two years off of it. And it's uh, once again a useful, productive device. Now, I know not everyone's experience um, has been the same, particularly with more recent devices, but certainly for older devices, and I think iOS 12 works with the iPhone 5S and above, it's certainly given me a little bit more life out of this iPad. Mm-hmm. Um other things, I mean, I know we mentioned password management last time. Yeah, that's that's a great feature, especially if you don't want to have a YouTube app on your phone. Maybe. Totally. The, another little feature which is really useful is two-factor authentication. So when you know, whatever service it is, whether you're signing into a Google service or Dropbox or whatever else, and they will send you a text message with you know your four-digit code, it will also pop that into the field rather mm-hmm. than you having to go out of the app, open up messages, copy in that uh, and whatever. So that's that's a really interesting one. Other things, I'm just waiting for my for my proper car to arrive. I've been having a lease car for the last couple of months. So I had my first chance to play with Apple CarPlay, which I know will be really old news for some people, but yeah. you know, no, I'm don't... interested in it. My car my car was a twenty twelve one which didn't have it. Yeah. And it's got one of those really custom head unit things with yeah, it's just not really feasible to replace it. Well, exactly, and that was the position that that I was in as well. Um, so actually, finally having a chance not to have my phone strapped to my windscreen and you know to kind of live mm. the connected dream was really interesting for me. Um, and what got introduced with iOS twelve, and it didn't drop until the official iOS twelve release, I think, was yeah. the ability to have third party app support. So previously, you could only use a handful of apps that didn't conflict with Apple's own apps. I think Overcast was one. Yes, exactly. iPlayer was another, I think, as well. iPlayer? Not the... Oh, uh, iPlayer Radio, okay, sorry. Okay, phew. Yes. I was say, you weren't watching, like, Rip Off Britain while driving along, David. <laughs> Certainly not. That would that No. Um, but you. So beforehand, you could only use Apple Maps. Uh, now, on my phone, I've been a Waze user. Speaking of sharing data with Google, I've been a mm. Waze user for a, a good number of years. Um, so the uh, opportunity to use Waze as part of my 
CarPlay uh, screencasting. I, w- w- I was quite excited by that. Um, and Google Maps was another one. However, I have to say that I was a little bit disappointed. Um, really? And I'm not, I, well, yes, in as much as it's Waze, Jim, but not as you know it. It looks to all intents and purposes, w- once it's been through the CarPlay filter, as though it's Apple Maps all over again. That oh, sounds perfect. I love Apple Maps. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, well. The value of Waze is the fact that it gets you there, you know, no matter what, and it's, you know, outsmarting traffic together. True. I mean, I've got TomTom for that, so... I guess so. I guess so. Um, But yes, so the the look and feel of the apps does seem to be remarkably similar, and I'm sure that is part of Apple's own restrictions on what it allows third-party developers to do. But no, overall, I, I, I quite like CarPlay. In the car that I'm getting, I've paid a little bit extra to get it in there, which is a, is a bit of a travesty. Other things in iOS 12, I mean, like I say, because I've been using it for so long, they're kind of second nature to me now. Uh, screen time, mm. being able to, you know, I, I got a report uh, this morning as, as we're recording this telling me how how long I use my phone for every day, how many notifications I get broken down by application, how many times I unlock my phone. Jeff, I think these would be really interesting insights for you, although I think you do have iOS 12 on one of your devices, don't you now? So my trick is that I, I'm still on iOS 10 on my phone, but I play with iOS, I keep my iPad up to date, so I, I feel like I'm keeping my toe dipped in the water on the latest and, and greatest. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, so I can tell you what I think of iOS 12 on my iPad. Yeah, go for it. Uh, nothing. <laughs> uh, two things have changed. One, the control center panel thing. Uh, you just have to pull down from the top right-hand corner. Worst place for it, yeah. Which I gather is like an iPhone X. Uh, so that's annoying because that's changed. And then secondly, they moved uh, the time. The clock has now moved to the left-hand side along with the date. So I continually think on my iPad, oh, what's the time? Look to the top center of my screen, think, ah, oh, bollocks, where's the time gone? Oh, that's right. They moved it for no reason whatsoever oh, to the top left-hand corner of the screen. And I've been doing that every day for the last month. And that's it. Nothing else has changed on my iPad. Nothing. It's all the same. So have you checked your screen time stats on there? Oh, oh, screen time is pointless. Oh, sorry. Do you want me to do my screen time? Right? No, I'm just interested whether you found it useful or not. Well, it does because it comes up as a daily thing. I get a daily. Mm. Was it a daily? A daily. Right. Is it weekly then? I get a weekly notification. Mm. Right. So, oh, right. I should have a little jingle. Why screen time doesn't work. Okay. Yeah, mine doesn't oh, work either. That's that's my problem no, with it. But if but so but even my Garmin watch has that got screen time on it? The, the thing about all these devices, are we you know that 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 monitor things is like yeah. So my watch monitors me, but only when I'm wearing it. What about all the things and activity that I do when I'm not wearing it? It relies on you wearing it all the time. Screen time. Think about this carefully. Uh, assumes that all the time that your iPad is on with the screen showing, it assumes that you're watching it. Now I can easily put my iPad on right and like put on a podcast or I could be watching something in the background but just listening to it and not watching it so I I will do that all the time so so no way does it mean that if it says you've looked at your iPad for two hours today it's like well what if I was looking at it for half an hour I think it's just giving it's giving you information and you know what your usage patterns are well, then that would so hang on. But I'll stop you right there. So if you know what your usage patterns actually are, then why do you need an app which doesn't know telling you what it thinks it is? I mean, you could fool it, yes, but you're just fooling yourself, Jeff. I just think, again, that what Apple have done there is they've sat in a room and they've gone, yeah, let's not innovate anything that we really need. Let's just come up with some pointless gimmick. Oh, here we go. Screen time. 
I I disagree. I disagree. And the point that you make there, Jeff, is you know, um, with with my phone, it will only be on. The screen will only be on when I'm in front of it and when I'm doing something with it. And for example, uh, I listen to a lot of. Uh, actually, will I be really interested in your data on this? Well, my data is my data is not actually correct. So that's my problem with it. Okay. But if I'm listening to music on an iOS 12 device, right, and the screen is on. And, the, and it's on for an hour, then I'm not looking at my screen, I'm listening to it. Why don't they call it listen time? So, for example, I've been listening to probably about two, two and a half hours worth of podcasts today, all through Overcast. However, when I'm looking at my data, it doesn't count that. It counts the time that the app's been open on my screen, 21 minutes mm. by all accounts, yeah. but, it yeah. hasn't, but it hasn't counted the overall time that I've been listening to it and doing other stuff. What, because it differentiates an app that it knows is only serving up audio as, as opposed to something which you well, look at? It's an app that's running in the background. It's an app that has been playing over my uh, Bluetooth speaker in the shower or in the kitchen. I can totally be in my kitchen, right, be cooking, be washing up, be doing something domestic, put on something on iPlayer and not watch it for one second, but I can listen to the whole darn program and never look at my screen. I just think that there's this focus and a natural assumption by the fact that it's called screen time, that all the while it's active, that you're that you're actually looking at your screen. Imagine it's called usage time. How do you feel about it now? <laughs> okay, so, so my review... I, I, I should have warned you I was in one of these moods tonight. Okay, the usage time on iOS 12, I look at it and I go, yeah, that's nice. And I think it's like a gimmick. It's like when, they, when Apple provided up all... When they had their release, was it 10 or 11? That showed you exactly what app was using for what battery. It was a gimmicky thing to look at. I oh, know that was great. I used to delete apps based on if they used too much battery. No, it was like it was it was a fad. It was like, yeah, here's a fun thing, and then nobody. I didn't actually use it for anything constructive or creative. And I think screen time is a great idea, but I think it's poorly implemented. One, because currently, if I look at my last seven days, it's got no data for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Is that because you did an iOS update? No, because that that seems to reset. It was logging everything. For some reason, it stopped logging them. I haven't updated. Mm -hmm. So that's annoying. But I think that's fixed in 12.1. So I'll wait for 12.1 on Tuesday to fix that. I'm on that at the moment on the beta. And then my what? other issue with it is that I can only see the last seven days of data, which yeah. means that I've had a month's worth of data, which I'd actually quite like to look at over, mm -hmm. over a weekly basis. But there seems to be no way of accessing that. So I cannot tell you what I what I did the week before, which is totally pointless. So I've got this, um, we've got a smart meter now from Empower in our house. Oh, yeah. And I actually think this is great because I can look at it and go, right, we're using gas, we use electricity, we use this much today, we use that much yesterday. We could try and do this. We could try and like maybe see how much the washing machine uses. Do we all of that stuff? Great. We can get the data, but it will only record the data for that day. And unless I take a photo of the screen at night, there's no way to access that data again. And it's the same thing. It's kind of, it's, it's useless in isolation. I need this data on a month. I need to see trends. I need to see yeah. the whole of it. If I can only access the last seven days, then screen time is totally pointless because my weekly usage varies so much. Yeah. We're just a, but it's just another app from Apple where they haven't actually innovated anymore. They've sat around and gone, let's try and think of an idea. We are way past the point where Apple now come up with something that's actually new and exciting it's just little like oh we'll offer this little app oh we'll update this but everything's oh, everything's this. incremental oh. it, like it's yeah, very well, easy to be so, in the, so in we're the in change. a phase okay i liken this i'm going to be so harsh i liken this to say uh if you've got a, a successful product or business and you get to 
say if you run, say, um, uh, a website with subscribers and you reach like 100,000 subscribers, right? Because right, and then and then and then, but then the boss behind that business model goes crikey, we've 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 flattened we've we've flatlined out a hundred thousand subscribers. We're failing. We must get to two hundred thousand subscribers, right? But it's not because you've 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 created something which has got to say a hundred thousand people, and it's perfectly okay to tick over doing that. So why can't Apple? Why do they feel this incessant need? But you've just said that they're not. You said that they're not innovating. No, but that's the whole point. They're not. But obviously, every. <laughs> but you think like, they should why, be. No, well, no. Why don't they just have a year where they go, we're not going to bring out a new version of iOS, we're perfectly happy with the current one, or we'll just tweak it. So every year, it's like they, 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 somehow they're in this cycle where they go, we must bring out a new version, we must bring out a new this, and an updated that. Really? Why? Why not just go, you know what, it's pretty Because good everyone else likes new things, Jeff, apart from you. Right, so there we, <laughs> there's the crux of the thing. Why can't we just be at a point where we're happy with what we've got, right? Wait, sorry, Jeff, you, the, can stay, you can stay on iOS I'm, 9. I'm bloody at 10. 10. <laughs> no, I, I had to move from 9 to 10 because they nagged you four times a day and now you only get nagged about once a week, so it's much better. Um, but it's okay not, not to... It's just like, just, just be stable. And then let's actually wait until we're actually ready or have an idea of something that is actually new or revolutionary or innovative, and then we'll go for it instead of sort of instead of instead of trying to force yourself to come up with something innovative, and then instead you come up with something which is just a bit pointless, which is even what you said, Will. One thing that's huge in iOS 12, I find, is shortcuts. Mm. Now I've had workflow before, (laughs) and I've used it a bit, but I never really got into it, and I didn't actually use the beta of iOS 12 because. Shortcuts was one of the main things I was looking for, and that wasn't rolled out really until the support for apps was there. I, I, I can tell you something really interesting about that. Sorry, I do have an interesting experience yep. based upon that. Sorry, hang on. So, <laughs> so obviously, I installed shortcuts on iOS 12 on my iPad, yep. right? And then this is really interesting. My phone on iOS 10 went, oh, oh it, it, it saw that I'd installed it on iOS 12, but then it went, oh, I can't, I can't install that here on iOS 10. But would you like me to install a slightly inferior version of something of something that's like it? And so I now have Workflow on my phone. Well, Workflow was paid. It then became free when Apple bought yeah. it. And then eventually became Shortcuts. But the thing I like about Shortcuts is it allows you to customise your phone in a way that Apple never previously has allowed. It allows you to, to make it your phone in the way that you want it to work. So I've got two that I've created. One which replaces the App Store used to have, as you may know, I like to buy apps. App Store used to have a wish list feature. So you could save apps to that and then buy them at a later date. They removed it, I think, in iOS 10. So I used to then have to share manually. I have to bring up the share sheet, share it to my to-do app, but then I had to copy the URL as well. It was like a two-step process. It was finicky. Whereas I could create a shortcut where I can literally just fire it with one. I can go to the App Store. I can fire my save to to-do shortcut. It grabs the title of the app, puts it in as the to-do item. It grabs the URL so I can then link back to it and buy it. And I've also got it to bring in the price. So I can then, when I've when I've got some money, mm-hmm. I can then go through my list of apps on Decide, which ones I'm going to buy, and then link straight back to the App Store. And that is something that I've been able to do to recreate functionality that I want to do on my phone, which previously I wouldn't have been able to do. My other one is that Overcast supports a huge array of shortcuts. I started with resume Overcast as my trigger phrase 
which then became a little, felt like too long-winded. So I then changed it to podcast. Hmm. And then it occurred to me that actually what I really want to do, because sometimes Overcast stops playing in the background and the music app jumps in. So when you try and resume on your AirPods, it will stop playing on your music library rather than Overcast if it's been too long. It will knock the, the audio app out of memory and just default to music, which is really annoying. So I then started using the side key just to bring up Siri and I just t- change it to PP. So I just tap PP with my thumb and press go. And that would open my overcast and start resuming. And then I change it just to P. So I've got a single shortcut called P that I just bring up Siri, press P and press go. And it will start overcast, resume overcast, playing my podcasts. And that level of customization is huge. So, Will, um, I'm not going to lie. I did have workflow beforehand. I I dabbled with a few different workflows. When it comes to shortcuts, I know how powerful this it is. I I hear the likes of you and various other people talking about how much of a game changer it is, particularly for power users on iOS 12 and above. Um, I haven't dived in yet because it's like I feel as though I need to clear a day out of my diary in order to kind of dive into it and to start playing around and start I guess, automating some tasks that I do manually and to find some new ways to save time. So I need a primer. Where do I go first of all to kind of get all of shortcuts into my brain, you know, maybe to guide me down the line of a couple of tutorials or something? And me, and me too. Find something you want to do and then go to the, just Google Reddit shortcut iOS and then that would be my starting point. I mean, there is, I think MaxToys.net has a lot on shortcuts but it's probably quite in depth i more i found quite good they've got some good great articles on kind of stepping through stuff but there's actually there's two sides to shortcuts so the to do adding apps to the to do app that i did in the shortcuts app itself whereas my just launching overcast and resuming that's i do through the settings mm-hmm. so if you actually go into your settings app and then this is just for overcast you go into settings and then scroll down to overcast and then, well, it's quite way down on my list. Then you go to Siri and search, click on that. And then there's a shortcuts option. You click on that. And then it brings up a list of shortcuts that have been made available to the system. And you then click a, click on plus on those and then give them just a name, whatever you okay. want the trigger to be. So that's the easiest way. It's just literally any app you think, oh, it'd be great if I could just automate this from a single command. I'm going to wait until next time I see you, Will, and then I'll just you can just show me. Sure. That'll yeah. be great. And I think you can share shortcuts as well, and they come out to like an, an XML thing. Perhaps you might be able to um, share and, uh, and maybe tailor. I've actually just subscribed to a podcast. I haven't started listening to it yet, but it's another Relay FM podcast called Automators with uh, David Sparks and Rose Orchard. I don't know if you've come across that one or not. My list is it's too big to bring <laughs> another one on at the moment, unfortunately. But yeah, it's kind of it's in my. How many podcasts do you subscribe to? What? I mean. <sighs> I mean, how many apps do I have on my phone? It's kind of like, how many do I regularly use? I would so, say... Yeah, I know. That's, that's why we're playing this game. So, so, I, so answer, answer the question, please. How many podcasts? Well, do I don't to, but... really know, but I would say about one, two, three, four... It's probably about two or three hundred on, like... What? Christ. So well, it's hard to you, say. Did you just say two or three hundred? Let me try and work it out. Let me see how no, many. No, Will, it's, sorry, it's funny. I think the internet's broken. You just said two or three hundred. Well, you must have meant like tw- twenty. Or okay, 30. let me try and give you a give you a. Uh, that was just a guess. Let me try and see. So on the Can't page, subscribe one, to three hundred podcasts because 
I get six per page. So one, two, three, four. I've, I subscribe five. to 21. I've just counted them in Overcast here. 21 Seven, different podcasts. I, I subscribe to eight. eight. Uh, listeners, I have to say, nine. we've all got webcam functionality so we, so we can see each other. And David is often unfazed by things. He's like, yeah, yeah, well, I've done this, or of course I've done that. <laughs> and for the, and just for a split second there, when Will went two or three hundred, even David's face for a second dropped in amazement as he as he heard Will say two or three hundred. Let me see, twenty five times. <laughs> you, even you, tw- you managed to phase David, Will. Okay. That was amazing. <laughs> Here is here's here's a better estimate. Twenty five times six is one hundred and fifty. Oh, but that's just feeds. <laughs> but here, Will, how many? I would say one hundred and fifty feeds. But here's how I consume podcasts. <laughs> You haven't answered my question. Listen, I'm, I subscribe well, to 150 feeds, but I don't well, listen to 150 podcast feeds. So what I do is that's like that's like the TV guide. That is my local TV guide. That's what uh-huh. that's what's on today, and from that mm. Overcast, you can actually specify priority podcasts, which they have. A, there's like a special. I don't know whether it's special or whether I created it. I can't quite remember. But I have a daily episodes list where everything goes into that. And in that list, I have some priorities where, say, I'm not going to tell you who my favourites are, but there are some favourite podcasts I will drop everything for. They appear at the top of that list. I will then add those to my queue. I will then go through the daily episodes below that. And if anything looks interesting or something that I want to listen to i'll add it to my queue but i still haven't downloaded at this point i've set my phone just to stream podcasts and it's only when it gets into my queue and i know i'm going underground or anything like that i'll actually download it so So i will how many podcasts you subscribe to around 150 but my queue's only got i mean actually it's got quite a lot in the moment but normally it's got like 20 items in it it's got about 50 at the moment because my commute has been down and my uh my various activities around the house has been low so my I've been behind on my queue, but then it doesn't it doesn't bother me because I just won't get to those podcasts and I'll listen to the new ones. It's a bit like watching telly for me. It's like having a TiVo. So that's how I, that's how I listen to podcasts. Anyway, um, digital detox, Jeff. How's that going with you? This episode of Fraculous is brought to you by Casper, the company devoted to human sleep. Humans, you are weak. Your frail bodies need to lay down every day for many hours until you are able to function again. To help you address your mortal shortcomings, Casper has engineered the perfect mattress that combines high-density memory and premium latex foams to create a sleep surface that contours to your body, and keeps you cool and balanced through the night. Casper removes unnecessary humans in the value exchange process, and sells direct, so you get a premium mattress at a fraction of the price. Because you are unable to accurately assess risk, Casper will let you sleep on the mattress for 100 nights and if you are not satisfied you can return it, and they will even send a fellow human to retrieve it from you for free. Prices start at $500 for a twin and $950 for a king size mattress. To get $50 towards any mattress purchase, go to fraculous.com Casper, and enter the code 50sleep, so that they know that we sent you and to show your support for the show. Terms and conditions apply. Wait, detox? What? I wanted to catch I, up on your digital detox. Well, I continue to live in my stripped-down world, so I'm heading. I'm heading. Obviously, I'm clearly heading for a nomadic existence. That's where it's. That's where it's going. But how's it been? You started this process. What about a year? Maybe two years ago? 
of actively stepping away from your devices, all of that stuff. How? Yeah, yeah. So talk yeah. us through, what have you learned from this, from your not screen time? <laughs> <laughs> that my devices don't control me. I, I control my time and my devices. And I, I just, I love being in manual control. But what's happening is, is, this is why I will become a nomad, okay? Because the rest of the world, the majority of the world don't, don't agree with my, with, my, with my vision. Why do you feel this? Because you're going down the Cybermen route. You're just willingly doing it. Or, so a conversation I had with someone that I work with today, and this is something, it, it, it's twice as has happened, right? This amazing thing that happened, about, happened a couple of months ago. A friend of mine just didn't reply to my text messages. And, and when I saw them, they went, oh, no, that's because... Oh, that's because I just do WhatsApp nowadays. You're the only person that texts me. And then I saw someone today in a work environment and, and they were like, hey, Jeff. And I was like, I didn't think you were talking to me. And they were like, oh, no, they went, oh, that's because you text me. And I went, what? They went, only use WhatsApp. But they must have got the text messages. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, they, and I went, hang on. I went, am I like the only person that texts you now? And they went, and they went let me have a look. And they went, yeah. They went, mm-hmm. everybody else just, everybody else. And this person, they purely only live in a world of Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp. So we are now in a world where text messaging seems sort of quaint and an old technology. I've started emailing you, Jeff. Have you noticed this? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I love email. Yeah, email's great. Yeah, I kind, of figure, I kind of figure that's because that's not, that's kind of more on your terms. Email me. You're, you're more likely to get a response from me. No, but you can, you, you can Slack me. But when I decide to check into Slack. Yeah. I now think I've figured out that if I, unless... Unless I'm coming to meet you, I should text you. Otherwise, if it's vaguely important, I should email you. And if it's not yeah. important at all, I should put it on Slack. Yeah, there, there we go. There we go. You've worked it out. And I, but it's, and so what will happen is that the world will evolve around me and we'll end up in a world where people really do only use Facebook and WhatsApp to, to message. And then I'll just go and live in a cave because I'll t- um, with, with no notifications. But we joke, but in 20 to 30 years time, if I live that long, if, when I'm 60 or 70, that's what I'll actually do. I'll become like, I don't care. And then by then but there will be some new technology and I'll refuse to get on board with it and I won't do it. And I'll, I'll be like the, gr- the grumpy guy today that you see that has a Nokia brick phone. Hey, I met someone today that had a Nokia brick phone and they still used it from 2011. Were they a drug dealer? And I'll be clinging on to my iPhone 6S with iOS 10, refusing to use whatever gadget is currently in use. That's what's going to happen. How long do you think your 6S is going to go for? So I'm going to change my name from Jeff Tech to Jeff Nomad. Jeff No Tech. Jeff No Tech. That'll be my new, my new Twitter handle. Are there any learnings you would say from this? Like if someone wanted to, to follow your route, if someone wanted to join Jeff No Tech. <laughs> that should be my name, Jeff No Tech. <laughs> <laughs> I've got all squeaky again. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. If somebody wanted to learn what, what would be your learnings from this experience? That I am in a minority. <laughs> I'm Jeff. Just to ask the question here, or to point out the bleeding obvious, you make your money out of the internet. This is your living. Well, I I make I make video content. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's your job. At some point, I will force to be used Windows 10 with the latest version of like like Creative Cloud will say you now have to use Windows 10, and so I will begrudgingly upgrade to Windows 10. Windows 7 has been out of support for three and a half, nearly four years. Yeah, the amount the amount of time I've not had a crash on my machine. Yeah, it's so stable. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go on. <laughs> but is given that the internet and given that you make your living to I I, I don't know how to, to what extent that is but out yes. of feeding the machine that you are yes. to a degree shunning, at what point yes. does your 
turning your back on that machine um, put you at a disadvantage. And I can absolutely see why you say that and where you come from. And I and and my lord, I, my lord, I refer you back to the answer I gave earlier of of the fact that I feel that technology companies and software people are creating in quotes innovating things just for the sake of it and why do I need to do that when I have a perfectly stable working environment which works and I know how it works and I'm efficient at doing it and I really enjoy it no but I'm not talking about but if you're thrown things that are just you know why do you have to constantly keep pace with the latest and greatest thing when if what you do works perfectly well how did you feel before you got an iPhone were you happy with your phone then I used to have Nokia phones yes why did you buy an iPhone? Why was that not the same? Why, why did we need an iPhone? Because I felt like that was an innovative invention. Because that was when Jeff Tech was Jeff Tech rather than Jeff No Tech. And nothing Apple have ever done since has been as innovative as that. Sorry, David, make, make your point. I felt like you were heading for a question which I was misinterpreting. Sorry. Sure. My question was not so much around the tools that you use to create your content, but about understanding your audience. And if your audience is in danger as far as you're concerned of moving on you know you're talking about the different modes in which people different demographics because i'm sure this you know whether it's whatsapp or facebook messenger or email or you know goodness knows what else that there are delineations of age group who prefer certain modes of of communication but if you are not keeping your finger on the pulse of where your audience is at because you're living in this in this digital or non-digital this analog cocoon then is that not a danger for you as a content creator so what i need to do as a creator is is to is to do well what i consider i do well and that's provide an interesting serve up something that has an interesting narrative or or story on a platform which which as many people as possible can content. At the moment, I'm perfectly happy creating uh, interesting narrative and story pieces on a platform, that platform being YouTube. So I would be worried if the YouTube platform changes or the technology changes that makes me do that. But as it stands, I am doing that perfectly well and I'm very happy with the way I'm doing it. And I, I will change and adapt if I absolutely need to. At the, at the moment, there is no requirement for me to absolutely do so. Fair enough. I'll carry on emailing you then. <laughs> I like how you've worked that out, though. But you can just message. I message me. I, I message all the time. Well, I just don't want to stress you out. That's the thing. I don't want to overly stress you out. We've even been having a, an un, an un. I'm now, now I'm going to mention. I'm, I'm going to ruin our game by mentioning our game. We know that we've this last week, David. Will and I have been having a game of pretending to message our other halves instead of each other. So like Will sends me a fake message that he went, oh, sorry, that was for my wife. But the brilliant thing about that is that we started doing it without saying, we just started doing it and we both knew what we were doing, but nobody had to say we were doing it. We just started doing it. And I love the beauty about that. And I was more than happy to do that because that was fun. That was funny. And, and, now, and, and now I've ruined it by mentioning it. The thing is, though, I also sent David text I meant for Beck. No, no. Tell me that you sent one quotes for Beck deliberately to me. They weren't all inadvertent. The first one was. The, yeah, first, the first one was, yeah. but the subsequent one. Oh, yeah. Ones were. After that, I knew what I was doing. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. The problem is, I, I, the person I, mo I mostly text is Beck. So normally, if I'm in a yeah. rush, I'll open up messages, I'll type a message, and I'll hit send, and I'll go, and sometimes I won't even notice, except when David will send back kisses back to me. <laughs> Well, I thought the kisses were just for me, Will. Hang on. But, but you see, straight away now, see, I, this, this is my favourite part of the podcast or the chat, when we have a three, when I go, how do you do this? Hang on. So same questions to both. So Will, sort of as a, as a percentage breakdown, in terms of messaging 
on your sort of main mm. phone device. How much of it is iMessage? How much of it is Facebook? How much of it is WhatsApp? And, oh. and how much of it is is other? And David, same question to you. I'm just going to go to screen time because <laughs> I can tell you straight away. I don't. I don't have that data, unfortunately. In screen well, time. the thing about screen time is that it doesn't just measure how much time your screen is open. It also tells you the applications that send you the most notifications, for example. But David, that won't tell you how much time you spent on your MacBook sending emails, which I also want to inquire about. So you. you only you know that. <laughs> but I, what I can tell you straight away is that in the last seven days, I yeah. have had, in terms of notifications, so this doesn't trap when the app is actually open, but I've had 344 WhatsApp notifications versus 127 messages. So let, let's call that iMessages. Man, so you're all about the WhatsApp. Um, well, no, I'm a member of certain WhatsApp groups that are that can be very noisy. I tend to mute them when they get a bit noisy. Yeah, mute mute those. Mute them for eight hours at a time. And I wish there was a... Uh, actually, correct me if I'm wrong here, but if if you are mentioned in a WhatsApp chat, can it break through that mute wall? I can't remember. Oh, I'm not sure. No, I, I'm not sure if it can either. I might just need to double check. All this is doing is, is making me thank God that I'm not in a, in a WhatsApp group right now. That's just... If you've got kids, you've got to be in a WhatsApp group, though. There are so many yep. school groups, and it's the only way you'll get information about the school. But I'm very much a fan of single-purpose WhatsApp groups. I do not like a general-purpose WhatsApp group because mm -hmm. I know that I can mute a certain group and I can then go in and check it myself, and that's only going to be school stuff. I don't want just a random group of people who happen to know somebody just chatting about they want to sell something. No, I'm, that's, that gets muted permanently. Single-purpose WhatsApp groups, though, I'm all about. So, David, the majority of your day-to-day -day conversations on your mobile device is through WhatsApp. Is that true? Um, it, it would appear so, and that surprises me a little bit. Do you use Facebook Messenger? No, very, very rarely. I, I never use that for an outgoing message unless it's to someone I'm you know, trying to get in touch with because I don't have their mobile number. So on your mobile, your majority WhatsApp, some iMessage, and then presumably you do do emails on your, on your laptop as well. Uh, absolutely. And sometimes when my wife will message me, she will message me in WhatsApp because that's very much her default. But I will reply to that text message in iMessage because I can do that from my from my MacBook without having to open up another, uh, you know, without having to sit mm. at my phone. I would rather type that out on my keyboard. How many Twitter direct message conversations do you have going on with people? Because I, I, it annoys me, uh, but I find that I do relent and I do do that with some people. Like, for example, I have a friend in New Zealand that only contacts me via Twitter DM. That's all he does. I get a lot incoming on Twitter. My DMs are open on Twitter, and I do get a lot incoming. I, I shouldn't have mentioned that now, should I? Everyone message David. <laughs> and they're open for a reason, because it's, you know, it's, it's primarily a work account. But no, again... If people start off a, a conversation using Twitter, then I may, you know, resort to another yeah. mode that I'm more familiar with or, you know, that's just easier for me, less time in front of my actual phone. So, Will, are you all about the iMessage or the WhatsApp or the Facebook Messenger? What, what's, your, what's your main... I'm thing? incoming on WhatsApp, so I will use that as a passive way of information about my children and their schooling arriving on my phone. But I rarely... I would... If I'm going to send a message to somebody, I would use iMessage primarily does, unless it's business in which case i'd use email does whatsapp st st still look like it was last updated in about 2012 oh god yeah that? yeah it's awful yeah yeah it's, it's awful which is another reason for not using it and again some other people will use facebook messenger i i basically leave all lines of communication open and i will let the sender choose 
which way they want to get hold of me. I'll tell you one other thing I do do, because of, because of my park runs, I do have a, a, a Twitter park run group chat for my park run buddies, right? Right. But since the whole recent um, tweet bot, since Twitter changed their API, I now I'm forced to use the Twitter. Really? Twitter I'm still app. using Tweetbot. Uh, I can't do group chat on Tweetbot. Oh, yeah. I've got the Twitter app on there. I think, actually, I, the only group I ever had was with you and David, and you left without even replying. <laughs> oh, yes. That's so Jeff. That's so very Jeff. That's exactly what he would do. Hey, but I tell you what, I tell you what, I bet he didn't get any notifications, though. So that was, that was a good thing. End of Fraculous. If your puny human minds can handle more, then follow on Twitter. At sign F-R-A-C-K-U-L-O-U-S. Or individually. At sign David McClelland. D-A-V-I-D-M-C-C-L-E-L-L-A-N-D. At sign Jeff Tech. G-E-O-F-F-T-E-C-H. At sign Will. Head W I L L H E A D. Email your brains to hello at sign fraculous.com. I am H A P P Y. I am H A P P Y. I know I am. I'm sure I am. I am H A P P Y. Jeff, I completely forgot that you. We're still doing your park runs. Um, would you class yourself as fit? Uh, for a man of my age, I think. We, well, for example, I, I was uh, yes. Well, yes, yes. Fitter than <laughs> fitter than most of people of my age. Yes. Good for you, Will. You've not been so fit recently, have you? Not so recently, no. Yeah, Will almost died. Everyone. <laughs> Sorry, is that a bit melodramatic? <laughs> well, last last time I saw you. I was, I was, I was fine. Did you write a book or something? I can't remember. We were down the pub. Yeah, that was the night after David and I had our secret meeting. Yeah, so we were there, and then the next day, I was, I was hungover, uh, having a few meetings, but thinking, I don't feel great, but I was out last night, so it's probably just that. And then in the evening, Beck was out, so I finished off editing Fraculous. I felt this weird kind of stitch feeling, which was odd, but I thought nothing of it and went to bed, and then woke up in the night with. Terrible shoulder pain and a wincing pain whenever I coughed mm. where the stitch was. And then uh, took painkillers, went to bed, woke up again, hadn't gone. Took some better painkillers, which knocked it out until about midday. Still hadn't gone. Decided at that point to go to hospital. Then deteriorated rapidly in hospital. <laughs> Actually had to text back, used iMessage mm. to say, ditch the kids somewhere. You're going to have to come and <laughs> join me here. Uh, eventually got through to A&E got some good quality meds. They thought it was going to be my appendix or my gallbladder. Went through various things, took about 13 hours. Eventually ended up with a CT scan and a surgeon visiting me at 1am in the morning to say that I had a pneumonia. So I got to spend for the first time ever a night in hospital. Oh, really? First time ever? First time ever. Do they have Wi-Fi? I don't know, because I just used my 3D. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I was very grateful to have two phones. Very grateful that I keep a go bag of cables packed. I would say one of the best things you can do in life is to have separate iPhone charging cables 
and chargers ready to go in a bag. So you're not unplugging them one by your bed yep. each time. And then when you get back from a trip, you're having to remember to plug it in. Do you know what? That may be the greatest tip you've ever... To like have like an emergency bag ready to go. Yeah, David's got one right there. I do, to go. I do. So in the same way that I've got a Brexit stockpile box of food, I should, ha- I should have that. <laughs> but it makes travelling so much better because it means you just take that bag with you whenever you travel and you will have all of the chargers and cables you will need. Wow. So I could say to Beck, it's there, it's in this bag at home, just bring that green bag. The point is, Will, are you, are you better now? I you, am. You look better. Yeah, I'm better. Here's when I knew I was bad, was when I could no longer listen to podcasts. <laughs> <Hey>! <laughs> that was the point when I texted Beck and went, it's, it's really bad, you have to come and visit not, me. Not even at a slowed down speed. <laughs> not even at a slowed down speed. Wow. And annoyingly, I didn't have my AirPods at this point. And no. so I was having to deal with juggling, charging a phone. Luckily, I had two phones. This is an example when you need two phones, because you can have one charging while you've got your other one plugged in and you're watching Paddington on Amazon Prime streaming your unlimited internet from one phone to the other. So that was great. I have access wow. to films on demand. It was slightly annoying that um, at one point they had to unplug my phone to plug in a drip. I was like, <laughs> do I really need that? <laughs> Can I not just have the charge? But no, for eight hours, they insisted that um, they use the socket for medical use. But as soon as it was done, I got it back. Oh, boy. And were there no restrictions? Was it not a hospital where they tell you to turn off your phones and to have them on airplane mode or whatever? No, no, not at all. I was kind of in, it was a recovery ward because originally thought I was going to be in surgery. Mm-hmm. So I was in a surgical recovery ward, whereas actually it turns out I was being covered by medical rather than surgical. Right. I've been whining I've been whining about Apple not innovating. Is there any chance that they could get their health app to somehow integrate wirelessly Bluetooth with the hospital equipment and then the health your health app data could could pop up with all sorts of useful stats? Well actually there was a great bit. So I have Fitbit scales which wirelessly sync my weight every day to to my phone. And he did ask, Have you lost weight recently? And I showed him my graph. Mm. And he was like, Oh, that's interesting. That's the first time anyone's ever shown him that. You know, all this fanfare at various Apple keynotes, no one's ever shown it to him. I was like, I do, I have actual data I can show you. I'm not trying to switch it back to me, but have we never mentioned the fact that I've got an Excel spreadsheet that has got my weight going back to 2003? So I've weighed myself wow. every week for the last 15 years. So at any point in time, I can tell you how much I weighed. Let's discuss that next time. Mine <laughs> only goes back to, I think, about two, I think I've got, I've got two years of data. I used to measure my electricity and gas readings every week and put them in a spreadsheet. We're so sad. I love it. Well, I, I should be able to do that with my smart meter, but I have to catch it at midnight. Otherwise, that's not a smart meter. That's really not smart. Yeah, they do say it's coming. But again, it's like having this data, you need it. You need to be able to access it over a long period of time. That's the thing. So seven days on screen time is not good enough. Well, as a percentage, how healthy are you feeling right now? What, what state are we I in? think I'm probably about 90. I basically I feel I used to I had glandular fever as uh, a teenager. And it feels a bit like that, the recovery from this. So it's just bouts of tiredness. I've got a slight cough, but it's no, I mean, it's nowhere near as David said, he had pneumonia and you had shortness of breath and hurt every time you breathed. I've got none of that. So I think they called it very early. It was that thing. And how you described it just then, Will, about that, that pain that feels like a stitch and it, it, it kind of ends up going somehow. I'm not sure what the nerve endings are like inside your body there, but it feels as though it's going all the way around your body, kind of up your shoulder in particular. The way the surgeon explained it to me was that the nerve endings in your lungs, there aren't really any, 
they're not they're not very good basically so your body just interprets them as like there is pain somewhere here yes and that's that's all it can do that's why you end up with the shoulder pain the pain down like lower back your body can't interpret the pain accurately i'm pleased you're better i me too i could listen about your ailments all night but i am going to call it because we've been going for one hour 40 no no that's cool i need to go anyway i need to i need to sleep i'm due a nap (laughs) 